Green Mountain Dental Group is a family-owned business that has been a staple in Lakewood for over 40 years. Whether it's cosmetic, oral surgery, or preventative dentistry, at Green Mountain Dental Group you will find nothing but the best. We have chosen Green Mountain Dental and will continue to attend Green Mountain Dental because of the superior care that we receive from them. Their facility is amazing and above all, it's the personal touch that we receive from the people there, including Dr. Ben Jr. and Ann and Mary and Sherry and Marie. They've known me as well as my husband, my children, and now my grandchildren, and are just incredible with all of us. That was Annette. She's been a patient at Green Mountain Dental Group since 1976 and truly loves their service. Never did I think in 1976 how blessed we would be to recognize the people at Green Mountain Dental and are so thankful that they have been a part of our lives. For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Just mention BSN Denver. Hey everybody, welcome to the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Beverage is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 purchase for all your parties and have it delivered straight to your door. Let's jump into the show. Welcome into the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. AJ, I hope you're feeling a little bit better today as we jump into this one. Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate it. Uh, Voice is back today, so I don't have to worry about croaking my way through it like I would have yesterday. (laughs) Having a voice usually helpful on a podcast, I've heard. Yeah, and it's one of those things I never used to think about, but like voice management. You're going to do a lot of, uh, you know, I'm going to do this this show five times a week and then every Tuesday doing the, uh, the Denver sports podcast that we just started up. And it's like, okay, <laughs> what, you know, what happens when I get into other things too? Like during the right. summer, it's not a big deal. Uh, but during the week when I'm talking to people constantly, it's like, oh, I had never, I hadn't, it's one of those things you don't really think about until you lose your voice and then you're like, oh, how do I make this better? I'm talking a lot all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, for today's yeah. show, We've already talked about the Central Division and how things kind of stack up there and how the Avs may just be one of the favorites for that division. But there is three other divisions around the league with a lot of quality opponents that could be at the top of their division or even pushing for a championship this year. Mm -hmm. Still early days of the summer, but the way things are starting to shake out, let's start with the closest competition here to the Avs in the Pacific Specifically, the team the Avs knocked out in the first round, the Calgary Flames, and why neither of us are too worried about them. I mean, what have they done? Exactly. You know, they had they had essentially a dream season for them. Um, no major injuries. Nothing, nothing went poorly for them. They had a 35-year-old defenseman have a career year. Uh, all their young stars produced. They had breakouts uh, from a guy, uh, a guy like Elias Lindholm. The only thing that really went wrong for them was the James Neal signing, and it was not really that big of a deal. 
uh, because they had enough depth around them that it, it was fine. They even got great goaltending out of Mike Smith and David Riddich. So, yeah. you know, uh, great goaltending, uh, solid <laughs> goaltending. Uh, and then, you know, ran into a buzzsaw in the postseason. The waffle stomped them and reminded them that they aren't anybody. And then this summer, they've done nothing. I I don't think they've done a single thing. Yeah, I don't think they signed anybody in free agency, did they? I, no. Cam Talbot, I guess, is the I, one thing they, they did. They swapped Cam Talbot for Mike Smith, which, like I said, they've done nothing. Yeah. So, you know, they've got their own RFAs to sign. They're, you know, they're pretty much pushed up against the cap. Uh, because of that, they've got about $10 million, uh, not even $10 million, it's like $9.5 million, with uh, Sam Bennett, Makachuk, and uh, Mangiapane. To, to sign. Still the so, sign, yeah. You know, that's they'll eh. if they could I'm sure if they could they could find a taker for uh the James Neal deal, they'd be happy with that. But really they've done nothing. And they they're coming off a season which almost absolutely everything went correct for them. Right. Which teams don't do multiple years in a row. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. I think they they were riding out the the luck a little bit last year, and I think they're still a good team. They probably yeah. will make the playoffs, but are they competing for the top of the division? I just I don't see it, especially with Cam Talbot as your starting goaltender, or David Riddich. Uh, yeah, I mean sure. that's you're really you're really fighting uphill. Uh, I think, and and in a, in a Pacific division that we both agree isn't very good. Yeah. <laughs> but I also think it's it's getting better. You know, I think I think it, it seemed like Arizona scares you a little bit more this year. Absolutely. And you know, you still have the teams chasing them uh that I think are better than they are, but Calgary is they're they're a solid team. I just don't know that I honestly just don't feel like their ceiling is cup contention, you know, I, like I, I agree. I think last year was their ceiling, <laughs> right? Like last and well, and they lost to the eighth seed, right? It's, and, and it was like, okay. And and to be honest with you, it just wasn't that competitive of a series. Yeah. Outside of Mike Smith, the abs dominated. Yeah. I mean, the, there were multiple games in which the abs were just shelling them. Yep. And that's a bill Peters team. That's what bill Peters teams do to other teams. Right. <laughs> And the abs were just stomping them in the second half of that series, especially. It wasn't even close. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm looking through their depth right now, and I just don't – it's not selling me on a team. Yes, they have the great top end of Johnny <clears throat> Gaudreau, Sean Monaghan, Matthew Kachuk, but you're yeah. getting down to a 31-year-old Michael Froelich, a Derek Ryan, Mark Jankowski. Yeah. These are the kind of guys you're running in your bottom six, and you're just going mm, – I'm not sure about any of that. Like, okay, players. Yeah, fine, but they're not going to win you a lot of games. Yeah, I mean, these are, you know, these are like 30-point guys that Colorado's hoping to have in their bottom six. You know, Jankowski sure. and, and Froelich both coming off 30-point seasons where you're like, okay, like, these are these are fine depth players. Um, Derek Ryan in a 38-point year, you know, where you're, you're like, they're solid guys. But... How high end is their high end? You know, okay, Johnny Gaudreau had a 99-point year last year. Okay, well, we know Johnny Gaudreau is great. Yeah. 
you know, Sean Monahan, Matthew Chuck, like they've got a really solid top line. Uh, and they have like the makings of a nice second line with Backlund and Lindholm and, you know, whoever else they want to toss on there. Uh, last year it was for a leak. Um, because James Neal wasn't any good. And so like, they've got like the solid, a solid group up top, yeah. but it's not, if you're going to be that reliant on those guys, like they've got to be, it's got to be more than Gaudreau. That's high end. I agree. It's... And you know, their, their defense, you know, can you really expect the same out of Mark Giordano? You really going to get another Norris caliber season out of him? I mean, they need 35 it. 35 <laughs> years old, and he had 74 points last year, which was almost twice as many as he had the two years prior combined. So, you know, it's it's really like, like Giordano's been a great player for a long time. But is he really, is he turning into Brent Burns in his late 30s? Uh, I'm I'm a little <laughs> skeptical, skeptical, at least. Yeah, yeah, I'm skeptical that that it continues at that kind of level for Geo. Uh, and then the rest of that defense, you know, Brody and Hamannick. You know, Hamannick had a nice bounce back here after uh, what was a god awful debut season, but still not the player he was for the Islanders. Yeah, I I agree. I think. Valimaki helps them a lot on the back end. He's, he's got to be the, the real deal, though. Like He's he got to be really good. He does need to, to take that step, but he's one of my favorites, so maybe I'm a little biased there. But but you're right. It's, you know, Giordano can't keep it up forever, and Hannafin hasn't taken that next step that they wanted to see out of him. Yeah. Good, it's, not great. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's really just they're they're just kind of a they're sort of just a team that just kind of makes me say blah. Like they've got players that I like, but I'm not afraid of their high end. Uh, and I and they've left themselves vulnerable at, at goaltender. Right, I, to the, Cal- the bottom falling out. The Calgary zone has moved from missing the playoffs to first round exit now. <laughs> yeah, I to be honest with you, it would not be a huge shock to me. Uh, if we saw Calgary and Colorado in the first round again next year, uh, just yeah, home ice advantage get flipped. Yeah, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me that much either. Um, well, what I can say for sure, if Cam Talbot was my starting goaltender, might want to drink a little bit. So it's time to take a second to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, the world-famous Avalanche, which is their classic American amber ale. But they just released a new beer called Strawberry Sky that I'm sure a bunch of you have already tried, but if you haven't, you're going to love it. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they're calling it this a light heart, light-hearted Kolsch ale. But for those of you who have no idea what that means, this is that light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. So look for Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer, and make sure you also look out for the Breckenridge event calendar on bsndenver.com. It was just launched not too long ago. You'll be able to see all of the events we have planned there, and we'll be drinking Breck beers at all of them. So RSVP and have a good time as we now jump into some of our favorites for the Pacific Division here. 
Let's start with Vegas. They were the guys who made some of the big moves at the deadline last year, locking up Mark Stone for eternity. Obviously a big, big plus for them. Yeah, I mean, Mark Stone, we saw the effect that he had in the postseason. And they were, barring one of the fastest collapses in the modern hockey, they were essentially a second-round team. Yeah, and who knows what would have happened in an Avs-Vegas series. Right, exactly. Who knows, man? Uh, Because I got to be honest, had they taken Colorado, Vegas and St. Louis, I think, would have gone not the The way of... Not the way of St. Louis. <laughs> but, um, you know, Mark Stone, the pressure's on now. Yeah, for he's, sure. He's been a good player uh, for a long time. In the last couple of years, he's really stepped it up. The last two years, he's stepped up to an elite player. And now he's at the beginning of a contract in which he's one of the highest paid wings in the NHL. And he's got an eight—he's got an eight-year deal that's going to take him into his third, like deep into his thirties. Yep. He's—he's uh, he's got to be nails, man. I mean, it's a buyout-proof contract because it's so signing bonus heavy that he's got to be absolutely awesome. There, there's—he can't be just pretty good. Yeah. No, I I agree. If he's not, you know, the floor is point per game for him now, right? Anything yeah. less than that, and, and you're disappointed. Yeah, and, you know, high-level defense and on a line next to Stasny and Pacioretty, that's a, that's a super good line, but you do wonder how long until age starts to play a real meaningful role in their success. For sure. Stasny's 33 now. Patches is only 30, so he should be all right for a while. But You never know, though. Yeah, of course, you know, guys fall off really early sometimes. It's Yeah, you never know when when 30 is death. <laughs> yeah, right. And their cap situation is also still very much a little dicey. Gusev, that whole conversation is still there with uh Clarkson on LTIR there under the cap, but before that there's still about three and a half million over. So it's still really tight for them. Yeah, they're they still have to figure something out. Yep. Uh they only have five defensemen signed to their NHL roster right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, even if you just call one up and you don't even have an extra guy, you do what the abs do sometimes and you just fly by the seat of your pants. They uh they still have for what three and a half million dollars to shed, and so you know Nikita Gusev is still sitting out there. That's great, but even if they shed the David Clarkson contract at five two five, that's that gets them under the cap, but they will almost immediately use it all up just replacing or just getting to seven defensemen. Right? Yeah, it's they've. It's a really interesting situation because they've put themselves in that super cap crunch, but they also do have, at least on the forward side, Cody Glass, Jake LeCision. They kind of have that next wave of ELC guys. Glass is probably just about ready. LeCision maybe needs a year, but... Yeah, well, and on defense, you have Zach Whitecloud and Nick Haig. Yeah, uh, so... It's like you're, like, and Dylan Coughlin is guys that, like, hey, time to call them up. Right, so they do kind of have that next wave of guys to help them manage that cap crunch, and and that's kind of why I'm I'm scared of them as well. They if they're hitting on some of these draft picks they made, 
they're going to be good and their money is going to work out for them. Yeah, I uh they've got work to do, man. Like they do, for sure. What what I do really like about that roster though is that they are good. Yeah. Like you look at okay, we talk about their second line, quote unquote, that that Stasny, Pacioretty, Stone, uh well their top line with March so uh, Carlson and Riley Smith, still pretty good line there. Uh, and then you've got Alex Tuck and Cody Eakin uh, on on somewhere in your third line uh, with with uh, Nozick and Peary and uh, William Carrier all kind of hanging around. Ryan Reeves is still there. Uh, their fourth line got gutted because other teams were like, "Gimme, gimme, gimme!" You know, <laughs> Belmar goes to Colorado and Carpenter goes to Chicago. Yeah. So they'll have to kind of rebuild that um, because that fourth line, I think, has been a very, very key part of their success. Not unlike what the Islanders have been doing the last few years, where they put out a fourth line that just drives you insane. And uh, it's a it's a big factor in their identity and how they play and how obnoxious they are and how effective they are. Absolutely. And it's not just the fourth line. It's they are a relentless team top to bottom. They will forecheck you to death when you talk about when when you hear coaches talk about hard on pucks there's nobody in the nhl that does it better than vegas i agree totally there it's the avs have learned over this year i think how to manage it better but that first year against vegas where the avs breakout just wasn't up to snuff it just it was awful and when you talk about how to defend against that it's you get guys that make instant decisions and they move pucks immediately they know where to go and when you talk about the possibility of Bowen Byram making the roster, that's why. It's yeah, because exactly. he will do that for you every single night. All the other things that he may have to learn or get good at, but that is something that he will do for you flawlessly time and time and time again. He will get those pucks and break them out quickly. And we've seen Vegas is very susceptible to uh, breaking down because their high end is not that high end. You know, they they have to come at you in waves because they didn't have game breakers. You yep. know, now with another year of Shea Theodore with Nate Schmidt, not having to serve a, a drug suspension. And uh, I, I think it was a PED suspension. I don't yeah. want to say drug suspension. <laughs> it's way more negative than I intended that to be. Um, but like even, even with a, you know, the stone and patch and Stasny line, like we say those guys, we said that they, stone has to elevate. And that's why is because they need. We saw the a lot more of what we think is the real William Carlson last year. Yeah, a good player, but not a not a number one C. You know, we saw right. uh, uh, Riley Smith, Jonathan Marcha. So, like these guys are these guys are solid. You know, probably Came back more down to earth, probably more second line contributors than top line guys who all had eighty point seasons. You know, right? <laughs> yeah. So. They they don't have that really high end, and they have to come at you in waves. So I think for Vegas, the big key, Flurry obviously has to hold up. And I think it should go without saying, when we're talking about all these teams, goaltending has to be there. Yeah. It has to be there for everybody. If goaltending is not there, you're pretty much screwed. You can't win without it. You just can't. There, it's basically San Jose. And, like, we saw San Jose was, what, third in their division last year? Yep. Because of yep. goaltending. Right. So, you know, you have to you have to have that goaltending there. 
Uh, otherwise, it betrays everything else that you're doing. But I, I like their defense. Um, it's not it's not very high end either. Like as much as I like Schmidt and, and Shea Theodore, I uh, I would take Colorado's group in a heartbeat over what Vegas is icing on on defense. I agree. I the Vegas team. It's just such an interesting situation for them because the the plan at the start was load up on picks, slowly get better, and then they threw themselves into the Stanley Cup final their first year, and now they're trying to cobble it together and keep yeah. it together. And, and now they're gunning for it. Yeah, exactly. And they're interesting because, um, you know, they kind of have to do it now. You know, Marchessault yeah. Marchessault and uh, Riley Smith are both 28 years old. Um, Stasny's 33, Pacioretty's 30, Stone will be turning 28 this year. So, like, they're not like, it's not like, oh, it has to happen right now. But, like, the next, like, two or three years, and they're locked into the majority of this roster, Yep. by the way, for many, many years. Outside of Stasny, the next shortest is, I guess, Smith has three years left. But Right, but, like, their top, like, their forward core is, like, locked in. They need, they need Cody Glass to be a star because they traded away Nick Suzuki, and Eric Branstrom. Yeah. In order I, to get Pacioretty and Stone. So they need Cody Glass to be a star for them and to ascend and become a high-end 1C, especially when you're talking uh, uh when you're talking about some of the teams they're going to be competing with. One last note that I'll have on Vegas, um the Gerard Gallant grinding style. I wonder how much of a toll that begins to take. Because yeah. that's that's we've seen coaches like that that grind on teams be really successful, but not over a long period of time in the same place. You know, Ken Hitchcock was that way. John Tortorella has been that way. Uh, some really successful coaches that just grind on teams like that. But after a while, that message can get tuned out because it's exhausting. It's it's an exhausting. Right. Lifestyle. It wears you down as much as you wear the other team down. Right. Like it's, it comes at a price. And I do wonder, you know, if they don't win it in the next two years, how, how much longer will that gallant message start to shine, you know, start to, start to fall on deaf ears. Yeah. Uh, and especially as their depth gets weaker because they won't be able to spend as much money on it uh, because they're, they've invested so heavily in the high end of their roster how well will they be able to start churning out? They, they, they're going to have to start relying on picks. Yeah. And how well are they going to be able to keep that identity and that grinding identity when they've got young guys coming in? Uh, and it's always, it's always a challenge to trying to get young guys to buy into a very selfless style, like how Vegas plays the game. For sure. Real quick, before we get out of this segment here, San Jose, they had the kind of miracle run through the playoffs until Bennington stopped it. They have lost some pieces this offseason. Do you see them as a, a legitimate contender still? I definitely do. Um, there's still so much talent there, man. And uh, really until they and they're an organization that has they've they have been able to mine gems in the draft, in their development system over yep. and over and over again in their entire history. So for me, they're a contender until really until they're not until Martin um, Jones posts another sub 900. I, I, right. Like, like their defense, I think took a step back, but ultimately 
when your top four has Eric Carlson, Brent Burns, and Mark Edward Vlasic in it, you don't really care about guys four through six that much. Yeah. Yep. Like they, you want to see what the abs are going to look like five years from now with, with Gerard and McCarr and Byram. It's kind of going to, it's kind of going to look like this, except all those guys are going to be in their mid twenties and not in their thirties. Man, that's just silly. (laughs) It's funny to think about. Yeah. Like it's, (laughs) that's, this is kind of, you, this is kind of like what Colorado is doing. Uh, is they're building around a, a potentially dominant top three and then, you know, filling in the gaps elsewhere. With kind of just, it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. Well, and like, because you, I mean, if, if, if Connor Timmons becomes what they think he's going to become, uh, then you're really talking about a top four and then you're, you're sort of going to the Nashville model. Yeah. That's, but we talk about the Nashville model and, you know, Nashville's never had what Colorado currently does. So, yeah. you know, if Colorado is able to replicate what Nashville did defensively while also having what they've built offensively, I mean, that's a, that's, I'm sorry, but that's a cup winning team. It is straight up. <laughs> it should be anyway. You know, like we've yeah. also seen San Jose, though, be absolutely loaded for years now, and they still haven't walked away with one. They should be the ultimate reminder that nothing is guaranteed. Yeah, I I have a feeling we'll be talking about another team like that after the break here. <laughs> We're going to be moving into the Eastern Conference in segment two, and we will be back with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tax debt is impeding the growth of millions of small businesses in the U.S. That's why Symbio Tax and Administration's goal is to enable small businesses and individuals to make informed and calculated decisions when it comes to their taxes. Symbio Tax provides small business owners with expert services in resolving tax liabilities and providing financial clarity. I would recommend, George, to anybody who has to deal with the IRS. His strengths and depth of knowledge make him really valuable. You know, over the course of years as a real estate broker, I've had the opportunity to talk with many different tax people. But the one thing I have found with George is he was very easy to work with. He was very articulate. SymbioTax is experienced in preparing returns for all income levels, as well as securing penalty abatements and settlements for qualified individuals that sometimes save the taxpayer thousands. George was able to save us about $7,000, and of course, you know, being an independent real estate broker, $7,000 is a substantial amount of money, and it was really nice to get that dealt with. They offer free consultations, so be sure to check out SymbioTax.com for more information. That's S-Y-M-B-I-O. T-A-X.com. Second segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast. I'm Nathan. He's AJ. We're talking about easily the best team, at least in the regular season of the past couple of years, and that is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Their roster remains incredibly ridiculously stacked. It's They just have to perform in the playoffs, right? Yeah, and, you know, to in their defense a little bit, uh, not too much, but a little bit. Uh, Columbus was not your average eight seed. They weren't. They picked up uh, just a few pieces. They and, they were. I mean, points wise too. Like yeah, you know that's a that's a high ninety point team that was your eighth seed, <laughs> and a team that if you go and you looked at that roster, you're like, good lord. So it's that that was not your average bear of an eighth seed. And I think uh, it would be unlikely for them to run into something quite like that again next year. Yeah, that 
unless someone wants to completely blow up their draft again. <laughs> yeah, right. You never know. I didn't. We didn't. We didn't expect Columbus to do that. We thought they would sell, given the position yeah. they were in. They went um, the other way, about as hard as you can. So, yeah. Which, for the record, I still love and I still fully support because yeah. the you have to tell your market at some point that you're going to win. Yep. Um. And and having one of the bigger upsets in first round, you know it. In in NHL history, uh, this that it'll be a footnote, but in Columbus history, that'll be something they remember forever. And I don't think that's irrelevant. No, Person, personally, I I I think in a market like that, given the situation they were in, uh, it was the right call at the right time. I'm I'm less worried about the future in that situation because. That organization has spent its entire existence preaching the future. And if you were in that spot, I mean, if there was ever a spot where you were just like, screw it, let's go for it. Then yeah. I feel like they that was it. Like that was that was their position to go for it. And I think I think you have to build that relationship with your with your fan base as well, where you're honest with them and you say, We're going all in. Um, we're trying to make this happen for you right now. And if it doesn't work, it's going to, it's going to be pain. And yeah. I think, I think Columbus, I, you know, I don't know this for sure, but I'd be willing to bet most of Columbus was, was happy with the decision. I would think so. It's, it's that their first playoff series whenever. Yeah. So that's, it's new territory for them. And, and obviously the pain train is coming now, but I, I love the idea of just going out and, and doing it instead of trying to maintain mediocrity for eternity. It's just... right. Cause like you trade, say you trade, they trade Panarin, they trade Bobrovsky, you know, they don't go and get Duchesne. They don't go out and go ham and get all those guys. Like, what are you, what are you going to, okay, great. Now you've gone and gotten a bunch of draft picks or you've gone and gotten a handful of prospects uh, that are not going to be on your team right away. And you're just, you're kicking the can down the road three, four more years every time you do that. And they had built that team to win right then. And I just, you know, I liked it. I thought it was cool. I wish, I wish more teams would have the stones to do that and have the backing from management to say, here we go. Yeah. Let's, this is our year. This we're 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 gonna do everything that we can, and if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. It's hard to win a cup. It's really yeah. hard to do, but I'm fine with how they they went about it. And you know, on the flip side of that, you look at Tampa Bay, where the temptation to to make major changes after a first round failure had to be at an all time high, yep. instead of just running it back. And they've largely just run it back. Now they still have Braden Point to sign kind of a big deal <laughs> definitely uh you've got one of the top young two-way centers in the nhl at 23 years old coming off a 90 point season uh who's still sitting out there unsigned and you only have five million in cap space to do it you got a problem yeah there's there's definitely an issue there it, you got to find a way to to clear a little room one way or another but they they still have that top end of kucherov stamkos palat I know Johnson isn't what he used to be, but he's still solid. Oh yeah, definitely. I, you know, I'm I'm like like the Tyler, the resident like Tyler Johnson hater, <laughs> and like this is a fifty point guy. Yeah, right. Like, you're not worried about that guy. You know, he's gonna give you fifty points in some fashion. 
pretty much every year. You don't you don't even worry about it. They did lose Strawman on the back end. Yeah, and you know he had started to dip a he little did. bit, he and had. so I think that was that was fine um, in terms of actually losing somebody. Uh, you know, Strawman was he's an underrated guy for a really long time, but. I think it's it's with with Sergachev and Calfoot. Yeah, you can start to see, you know, hey, it it might be time for make a little room here. Yeah, yeah, and a guy that 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 they drafted that I absolutely love as a prospect is Matt Spencer as well. So I'll be curious if uh, if he gets involved. Well, it, it will be interesting. Their, their forward core, once Point gets signed, will be largely locked up for a long time, but. On the defensive end, next year, Sergachev's got to get paid. They have mm-hmm. Eric Cernak, who he'll have a new contract. We'll see how much it costs. But also, Vasilevsky's in the final year of his deal coming up. Yeah. And those are two significant raises that are going to be coming. So I wonder if they're really going to try and make a push this year. They have to, man. I mean, you still have that great roster. And we keep saying, like, they can't keep everybody. They can't keep everybody. Well... They kept Stamkos at a cheaper rate than we expected. They kept Kucherov at a cheaper rate than we expected. That's all good and well, but then they also went out and they gave Alex Kalorn four and a half million dollars over seven years. Yeah. You know, they gave they gave Yanni Gord five million dollars over six years. You know, and, and like these are solid players for you, but Right. <laughs> they're going to so much money to go right. around. Like they're going to come, they're going to come at the expense somewhere. Uh, they've been getting by the last couple of years uh, with cheaper defense. Uh, and that's, that's going to end like this yep. upcoming year is kind of their last hurrah before they, they are going to have to make, make major changes this year. They've got the one year of the Ryan Callahan LTIR, like, He's got a degenerative back disease or whatever it is that they've conjured up to make sure that they can save that six million. Thank you, Dr. AJ. <laughs> you got it. Uh, uh, to, that's that's like the key for them to get Braden Point under contract this year. But how they're gonna do it next year, you know, I don't I don't know what kind of injury they're gonna have to fake, but it's gonna have to be it's gonna have to be something, man, because they finally have reached that point where their their cheap contracts are no more. You know, Vasilevsky, yeah. they've been getting by with a Vesna caliber goaltender uh, for super three cheap. Three and, and a half million. <laughs> right. And after what Bobrovsky and Price have gotten and given and what Gibson and all those, like, he's looking at at least like an $8 million deal. Yep. Like minimum. So uh, they've, they've got a, they're, they're arguably, they're in my opinion, they're the most talented team in the NHL. Yeah, I, agree. Uh, I love their. I love the defense that they have. Uh, Hedman and McDonough, Sergachev. Uh, I am. I've always been an Eric Chernak fan. I think he's good. Uh, and then uh, Braden Coburn, uh, a guy that I'm. I'm never been a big fan of, but in the role they're they're playing him in, mm, solid. <laughs> yep. Like that's a guy that like they people were like, oh my, this guy's like, oh he's. So good. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. But <laughs> playing the role that he's going to get to play in Tampa, he'll be fine. Yeah. 
And then obviously that forward core is just so nasty top yeah, to bottom where you're like, pretty all right. Because I mean, like a guy like Anthony Sorelli would be a rising star in other in other markets. Right. Exactly. It's not Stamkos is the oldest of them at 29, too. So, right. You're looking at and, and like he started to slow. Yeah. He but, says after that 98 point right. season, like well, he couldn't keep up with Cooch at 128. So. Right. Like what a bum. <laughs> <laughs> they even getting their money's worth with that guy. No, I mean, they're, they're so insanely loaded. It's, it's yeah. not even fair. It, it's ridiculous. I, They've done an amazing job. This, this is like the model organization in terms of how you, uh, how you draft and how you develop how you mine undrafted talent. I mean, the undrafted guys yeah. they've got have been ridiculous. You know, I mean, Yanni Gord was an undrafted guy. One of their top prospects, uh, who's a French Canadian kid whose name I can't say. Um, not <laughs> like they, I can't pronounce it. Not that I can't say it. Like, like it's like Voldemort's name or something. No, it's. <laughs> I just can't pronounce it, but he's a point per game guy for the crunch last year in his first ever AHL season, uh, top prospect. And he was undrafted. Like they just mine they're They, they should be like the ultimate example of why you, why you care about the queue. Yep. Because so many of so much of their star talent has, is coming out of the queue and guys that they're able to get on uh great discounts come out of there. And it's just, they're they're such a great organization, honestly. Yeah, and their the fan real- base is awesome. Like, <laughs> right. the The reality is, if you're in their division, you're playing for second place. Really, you just are. Yeah, and, I mean, you're trying to survive. Right, and obviously, anything can happen in the playoffs, which brings us to the Boston Bruins, who were a Cup finalist last year. They really haven't changed hardly anything about their roster. I guess everyone's a year older, which yeah. Bergeron, Krejci, they're not young anymore. I mean, Marshawn 31. Yeah. But you still have to think that that's not a team you want to play against. Yeah. Well, and, and Zdeno Chara being effective at 40 some odd years old is also like, this is another team that has continued to find ways to, to get effectiveness out of guys who are defying time. But this is another team that's, this is kind of it. Right. I agree. There's, there's, they're going to run into their own Tyson Berry situation. Tori Krug is a pending UFA and at five, two, five million, he going to be asking for more than that. Yeah. (laughs) Just a touch. Yeah. Uh, And you know, they've still got McAvoy and Carlo unsigned. We talked about this recently. Yep. Um, only $8 million in cap space. <sighs> they are kind of running out of, you know, the, the Tuka Rask, 32 years old, two years left on his deal. This is still a good team. I, I'm i still surprised they, they made it as deep as they did in the playoffs last year. I really – their top line is phenomenal, of course. Uh, David Krejci is still a good player, but – Beyond that, I'm really just – I'm so blah about their whole team. I I tend to agree with you. They made some good moves. I think Charlie Coyle really helped them. 
but you have David Backus for two more years at six million, and it's yeah. just like, well, how do you manage that? Well, and Jake DeBrusque is going to need to get paid. Yep, he's the actual one of those three first rounders that they took. That's, that that actually worked. <laughs> yeah, that actually worked out because that that should have been there. That should have been it for them. Yep, you know they sh- they should have been able to transition those cats in there to to do- to dominate honestly. And had they not screwed it up. That they messed up three picks in a row in the first round in what it looks like is going to be an all-time great draft. Yeah. Will forever, will forever be one of the ultimate, like, what-if alternate universes. Sweeney's wild ride. Jesus, dude. <laughs> to, to, to have screwed that up is just... And, like, DeBrusque is a nice player, but even that was a guy that they took 15 spots higher than right. we we thought he would go. And Sinition was a second round guy. I, I Who were they trying to move up with, with those three? I forget. Uh, I don't remember, but I, I can't imagine sitting in that room. They collect those picks. They try and move up. And the other team says no. And you have to scramble back to your lists and pick these guys. Well, and it's, yeah. I mean, to passed up on, uh, Kyle Connor, Matt Barzal, and Thomas Shabbat. Oops. And the Shabbat one is especially painful because they took his teammate in <laughs> Zaboral. Yeah. Who was the only guy of those three. He was the one that was rated right there yeah. and was like a justifiable pick. And he was a guy that I liked, but I was higher on Shabbat. So, <laughs> so there you go. Should have just listened to me, Boston. But yeah, it's, you know, not having that second wave being nearly as strong is is kind of why it's it's go time for them. They can't extend yeah. this this window much longer. And honestly, I I don't know that they're any better than uh, Toronto. I agree, actually. I mean, that's the next team we want to talk about. Toronto is, is much younger. They're more at the front of their window compared to a team like Boston, who we just said sort of at the end of theirs. Weird spot that Toronto was in, though. Their their entire defense is on an expiring deal, except Riley. And their defense is their biggest question mark. Yeah. Barry would be great for him on the offensive side of the puck. (laughs) Like, like I like uh, Travis Dermott, Tyson Barry, Jake Muzzin, Cody Cece, Morgan Riley on paper. You're like, oh, oh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. And they've got a couple of analytics darlings in Martin Marincin and Justin Hole. Uh, but um, I don't know, man. I don't. I don't know what is. Is it gonna be Riley and CC? Is it gonna be Riley and Barry, and then Muzzin and CC, Muzzin and Barry? Like how they end up allotting those minutes and how Babcock slices it all up. Um, because I think I think Babcock is going to be driven absolutely bananas by Tyson Berry. Yes, I agree. And, <laughs> and we saw Jared Bedner's first year. You remember we saw how frustrated Barry was and how frustrated Bedner was because he couldn't get the best out of Tyson Berry by asking him to play within his means, to play within a system, and yep. to play a specific way. And we've heard Bedner over the years say, "Look, the best way." The, the, the way to get the most out of Tyson is to just let him be. Yeah, cut him it's loose just for take, sure. Take yeah. the reins off and just let him be who he is and just go for it. And I don't know that Mike Babcock has the self-awareness to do that. 
he's the kind of like super grindy kind of coach that wants things his way or there will be nothing else. It will be his way or no way. And I'm curious how Barry is going to fit into that because we're all just assuming Tyson Barry is going to slot in perfectly in Toronto with that explosive offense. And they're going to put up a billion points and he's going to ask for $8 million and he's going to go sign with the Canucks next summer. <laughs> to be honest, that probably happens. Yeah. I but think I, maybe. I also think that, that Barry and Babcock is going to be a really interesting situation because of what we've talked about that, that, Barry's going to drive him nuts. Yeah. I, I had no argument there. <laughs> Rose Kerfoot, for that matter. <laughs> yeah, that's it's going to be a rude awakening when that's not a Selkie contender. Yeah, that's that's going to be more like the fans. <laughs> yeah. Who are going to be like, who is this guy? <laughs> and all Avs fans are just going to be like, nah, we tried to tell you. That's all right. He'll make up for it by scoring a bunch of scoring a bunch of goals off his butt in the first month. <laughs> right. Well, and then his shooting percentage will be like nineteen, and then Stephen Birch will have a seventy-five tweet thread about all of it. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. That's the Kerfoot life. <laughs> uh, so on the on the D side, though, it, it really is. I don't. It's I wild. would put Barry with Riley. I think that's a little crazy, but. Well, I mean, but your your other options are not like Cody CC has been proven time and time again that if he plays on the top pairing, he's going to get crushed. Yeah, that's true, and and you want to activate Muzzin when you can as well. So yeah, it's I a mean, bit of a puzzle. Muzzin and Barry, I think, is your rock solid like second pairing. Right. Uh, the best way to recreate what what the the situation Barry excelled the most in when he was in Colorado, yeah, while also recreating a good situation for Muzzin when he was in L.A. Uh, next to a guy that that can play a little bit of offense, so I think that's their best bet is to go with Muzzin and Barry. Um, but that still leaves the hole next right. to Morgan Riley. Yeah. I I mean, if the Avs are going to run out Gerard and McCarr, there's no reason that Toronto can't run out Riley and Barry. Fair, no argument with that. One. I hope, honestly, I hope Tyson Barry scores like 80 points this year and just goes yeah. off. Make Vancouver pay him 10 million. <laughs> Right after they paid Tyler Myers, yeah, exactly. They'll rebuild their defense. Uh, It'll be it'll be uh, the other Hughes and Myers and Barry for maximum money. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez, and it it really is wild to look at an NHL team's defense and see that they have one guy under contract. Yeah, that's. I mean. Well, and we don't know what kind of money they're going to have because Mitch Marner hasn't signed. Oh, yep. Uh, they've got uh, – they're in the final year of the Nathan Horton LTIR disaster. Uh, so they've only got – and they've only got about $3.5 in cap space. So they're they're pretty up against it depending on where Marner comes in. But even then, you look at next year, uh, you add in Marner's – just say Marner gets to $8 million and they're they're already under $20 million with – basically an entire defense to build and it's it's tough to build it's tough to build a defense that's that's good for a stanley cup contender for 18 million dollars they do have sandine coming you're praying little jagrin gets gets it together but yeah it's gonna be hard for them to get that that decor together after this year yeah 
Um, but yeah, that's they're kind of for me. I think I still have Boston ahead of them, but it's it's definitely a tight race for for second place behind Tampa in the Atlantic. With that said, we'll go ahead and rack up wrap up segment two here. In segment three, we'll get into our final division, the Metropolitan, which I think is a bit more of a wild card than the other ones we've talked about so far. So we will see you on the other side. Third and final segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast here. Just during the break, we're hitting a little bit of scuttlebutt that it sounds like James Neal might be on the trading block for Milan Lucic, one for one. I, What do you feel there? I, it seems like it's junk for junk to me, kind of. Uh, I actually really like it for Edmonton, uh, which yeah. is, I feel, really, really weird saying that. <laughs> because we know Milan Lucic has been useless in that role there, uh, and we're... I don't. I don't understand what he's going to accomplish um, in Calgary. I don't. I don't get this at all from Calgary's angle. Um, because, but at least with with Neil, you feel like the guy had ten straight years of at least twenty goals, and then one year in Calgary where it didn't work, and Calgary was that desperate to get out of it uh, that they traded him for a guy who scored six goals last year. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, and, and we know has not been good uh, for a couple of years now, whereas with Neil, there's a decent chance that that was just a one-off. Hoping for a bounce back still, and, at least, and right? Between, between Dreisaitl, uh, Nugent Hopkins, and obviously McDavid, you've got enough talent. You've got enough center talent that you could you could conjure up a lineup where James Neal just has to shoot the puck and and do what he does. I actually really like this for Edmonton. It's I, they weren't they weren't going to get rid of the money without having to take money. It just wasn't going to sure. happen. Yeah. Um, but at least in this in this instance, there's a chance they get a, a quality player. Um. Uh. Yeah. I don't think I'm as high on James Neal part of this, but I do think he's better than Lucic. I mean, Lucic is proven can't function even next to McDavid level play. So, what does Lucic bring that? Because Calgary already kind of had won the. Uh, well, I've got to keep this PG. Um, had kind of won the Mean Guy Olympics already. Yeah, for with sure. With their they roster, have and- right? Like you've got Kachuk, you've got Sam Bennett, who's turned himself into that kind of guy. Uh, Austin Zarnick is another one of those kinds of guys. Uh, and then obviously James Neal was like, he was supposed to fit right in. Well, now you have Milan Lucic to fit in that spot at okie dokie. Yeah. I don't, I don't get it. Um, it makes, it makes no sense for me from Calgary's perspective, unless uh, there's some sort of salary retention on Edmonton's end where they, because Calgary's getting back the more expensive player. And the lesser player. So if Edmonton, say, retains $3 million of that $6 million on Lucic's salary, then I like this a lot more yeah. for Calgary. Very different story, for sure. Because that then opens up enough money for them to sign Kachuk, Bennett, and Mangiapane, no problems. And they only have a, they only have to pay Lucic $3 million for the rest of that contract. That would be That would make way more sense to me. But as it is right now, uh, strange, strange deal from the Flames uh, side of things. But I guess we'll see how that ultimately plays out. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't mind it. I think it makes the Flames worse, like you said. 
but I don't think it's going to have significant impact either way. Uh, let's get into to what we were trying to talk about here with the Metropolitan Division. Uh, Capitals are still on top there, right? They still have the big pieces, Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Backstrom. I guess Holtby on the back end as well. But mm-hmm. this is Backstrom's last year of his deal. This is Holtby's last year of his deal. It's another situation where it feels like this might kind of be it. You know, Backstrom, that's a really interesting situation because um, I think he has a borderline Hall of Fame caliber career Yeah, uh, that he has put up. And it would be really tough to see Washington let him go. But if they did, he would be a fascinating guy, kind of like Pavelski on the market this year. Yeah. Um, you know, in the thirties, still really good, still productive with a great career behind him, but you wonder how much is left in the tank, et cetera, et cetera. Backstrom would be a really interesting guy on a, on an open market, but I just, I just can't imagine that they would, they would not find a way to keep him somehow, but not the point of what we're getting into. Um, Washington, I think they're they're they've really done an interesting job of remaking themselves on the fly. Um, the the deadline the last couple of years, you know, going out and getting McCall Kempney and Nick Jensen, and then signing them to super cheap contracts, solid depth defensemen that they can lock down on reasonable deals, uh, while they still have Carlson and Orlov making real money. Uh, the Radko Gudis uh, for. Niskanen swap this year I really liked. Um, I like their goaltending situation. I like that defense. You obviously have to like any kind of situation in which Alex Alex Ovechkin just continues to score a bajillion goals for you. <laughs> yep. You know, that will be a really interesting contract negotiation in a year. Yeah, it will. Because, you know, 30, he'll be what, 34? Yeah. Um, actually, he'll be 35 when that ends. I guess when the, this contract is over, yeah, he'll be 35. Yeah be really, really fascinating how they value him. That might be one where you just do it kind of like the Milan Hayduke, like one or two year at a time until until you're done. Yeah. <laughs> just at way higher value. <laughs> right, right. That's, oh, you yeah. Put up 50 goals again, I guess here's another 12 million. <laughs> well, and they're, they're kind of locked into a lot of their roster here. Uh, Hagelin, Panic, uh, Hathaway, they all signed to all these guys. Uh, to four-year deals to be bottom six players. I know Cole's been losing his mind over the ads giving out term uh, (laughs) to bottom six dudes. But, like, Hagelin, Ponick, and Hathaway, you have to really wonder, like, what in the world are the Caps doing with that money there? Yeah, I don't love the Panic deal myself, for sure. I don't love any of those deals, especially for four years. Like, any of them in a vacuum, you'd be like, that's a weird deal, but that they did three of these, you're like, whoa, this is something they are doing. Right. I, I think we even talked about that with Haglin a while ago when mm-hmm. they, they signed it. And it was like, yeah. this is fine. The fourth year is a little bit much, but it's okay. But then you have three of that guy and you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. Well, and then they, they draft Brett Leeson, who as an overage guy, like that's right. a guy that could step into their lineup immediately and play for them. Yep. And instead, it's like, oh, no, we're going to fill our bottom six with a bunch of these older, like, older. They're, like, late 20s guys. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be hard for them to to kind of fit and, and sort things out with so much invested in those guys in their bottom six. 
and it's, it's really odd, yeah, because they do have Backstrom and Ovechkin, two kind of important contracts coming up in the next couple of years. And to be honest, man, I mean, this is their team. Those are their right. only two meaningful forward contracts that are up. You know, Verona's got a two-year deal, but then after that, like, all these guys are signed forever. Right, they're banking on Oshie not falling apart. They're banking on Tom Wilson never taking a suspension again for the rest of his life. It's There's a lot of things that have to continue to go right. They're banking on Tom Wilson getting to play next to Kuznetsov and, and Ovechkin for the rest of his career. And, <laughs> right. Or at least for the, for the next five years, I should say. And then, and then they'll reassess, but... Even then, uh, they went out and they paid a lot of money for a guy that just put up a 40-point season for them. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's tough to, to bet on, though, because the rest of their division is, is kind of a bunch of question marks. Can the Islanders repeat Pittsburgh? Every move they make seems like they're going in the wrong direction. Uh, but I know your favorite is the Flyers. So I'm going to let you have the floor on this one and, and convince me why I should like them too. Well, um, their roster is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest with you, man. I mean, you, when we talk about like, Oh, high end, right? Like, Oh, some of these you can get by if your first line is really high end. Well, they've got that with uh Couturier, Giroux and Voracek. They've got a really high end group there. They've got depth now with Hayes and Van Riemsdyk and Nolan Patrick and Travis Konechny. They've got depth. So they've got a really solid top six. They've got, honestly, they've got a really solid top nine. Their defense has Gostisbehere, Provorov, uh, the other guy, Sanheim. They traded for Justin Braun, who's like, not great, but he's like a solid, expensive third-pairing guy. Matt Niskanen, who I think is still has some good hockey left in him. I... I really like what they're I really like their roster top to bottom. I think that's a really, really solid, talented, versatile roster. And it's just all about getting goaltending. If Carter Hart is the real deal and he's the man and he can he can step in there and he can give them a full season of you know, even what he gave them last year of league average, you know, nine seventeen goaltending, they I think they'll be very, very good. Yeah, I, I definitely think they can be a, a super solid playoff team. I wonder a little bit about their forward depth. They have that high end with Drew, with Couturier, with Voracek, but Kevin Hayes at $7 million is a bit of a question mark to me. Oh, I mean, the money there is, <laughs> like, the money between Van Riemsdyk and Hayes making a combined $14 million, Yeah. That's a, woo, that's a ton of money, dude. But, like, those are both, like, good, solid players. Are they too expensive? Sure. But when you hit the ice, you're a good team. And that's that's why I like them, because I think that they've got good players dotted all around that roster, uh, even if they don't have, like, like, it's not like a transcendent, Thomas. This isn't like Toronto's top six, where you're like, Jesus, are you serious with this? It's still, I still think it's really good. And there's always the chance that Nolan Patrick has that, oh, hey, I'm finally figured this out. Right. I've now broken out. I think if that happens, then I then I definitely see where you're coming from a bit more. <laughs> uh, quick update, not to derail us or anything, but it does sound like there is some money retained on Edmonton's side in the Lucic deal. Okay. So 
we'll have to wait and see exactly how much, but that makes it make a bit more sense for Calgary. And then the other team in this division, my favorite is the Carolina Hurricanes who made the Eastern conference final this past season. Was there a little bit of luck there? Yeah, I I do think so. But signing Ajo for that ridiculous cheap deal, I think really helps them. I really like their core of of Tara Vinen and Niederreiter. They added Dezingle to it, which I think will be a nice piece for them. I think they're really set up well. You've talked about their decor on on previous episodes where they have a bunch of young guys that are a bit underrated and, and very strong. They do have to deal with Justin Falk on the back end. They're goaltending situation is the same as many others. Can Peter Mrazek actually repeat a a strong playoff run that he had? Mm -hmm. But I think they're set up to be very good for a very long time as well. I think they're set up to be solid. Um, The big, the big X factor for me is obviously my guy Svechnikov. Yeah, of course. Um, A solid rookie year last year, very Miko Rantanen-esque. And once, but once he figures it out, I think he's going to, to be a uh, Ranton in caliber scorer for them where he's going to blow up into an 80 point player and he's going to score 40 goals and he's going to be dominant uh, next to Ajo. And uh, if they have Tara Vinen on the other side, then dope. That's, that's such a nasty top, top group that, that I would keep together. Uh, and then, you know, after that, you have Stahl with Nita Ryder and, and Dezingle, and then, you know, Eric Howla. Uh, uh, Martin Netches is still there. Bit of a uh, wild card there, trying too, to, yeah. Trying to break in, and uh, really, you know, they've got so many intriguing forwards that are coming off of that Calder Cup championship team. Of course, they, they traded a couple of them uh, <laughs> away already, but they've got some, you know, between Yanni Kulkinen and, and Julian Gauthier, I really like some of their their prospects that are on the up and up uh, at the forward position. As much as I've I've always disliked him uh, as a player, Jake Bean had a great season in with the Checkers last year on the back end. Yep. Um, so you know, and that's a that's you mentioned already a defense that has Dougie Hamilton and Jacob Slavin and Brett Pesci. Uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk's been really weirdly solid for years now. Uh, and Justin Falk, they've been trying to get rid of Justin Falk forever now, and he's still a solid defender. Yep. So that's, I mean, that's just a really like good, strong top to bottom team. And the, what's, what's scary about them is that there could be the big breakout of of the high end guys between Netches and Svechnikov, um, and to go along with Aho and Tara Vinen's breakouts, that would make them a holy terror out there, out in the East. Right. And this is, I mean, Stahl is 30, but after that, Aho 21, Tara Vinen 24, Niederreiter 26. Yeah. It, and then, of course, Svechnikov and Nechas. Svechnikov's not even 20 yet. So, yeah. very young team as well. And there aren't too many negotiations. Howlas is coming up. Falks is coming up, but like you said, yeah. they were trying to get rid of him. So uh, they have a young core locked down for a significant amount of time to just play together and, and wreck fools. Well, it's it's they went from Jordan Stahl was their only center to now they have Sebastian Ajo, Jordan Stahl, Eric Howla, and uh, Martin Neches. Yep. And and then they've got you know all these other guys at the bottom 
uh, of the roster that that are going to fight in or time. whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's it's impressive the way that they've kind of remade what was a major position uh, positional weakness for them. Uh, and then seeing this, you know, with the with the wing depth that they've come up with, uh, you know, does the the Zingles signing is just straight stealing. But this is also a team that that kind of got by with with some silliness last year. You know, you get 15 goals out of Jordan Martinook. You get 10 goals out of Warren Fogel. You know, you're you're getting like some some real production. You get 26 points out of Brock McGinn, who sucks. <laughs> you know, like another 10 goals out of Lucas Walmark. Like they 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 had that that bottom grouping that just poured in goals for them. Yeah, um, and that's what you need if you're not going to have that high end. You need really, really, really productive depth, and they had that all over their roster. I don't know how repeatable that is, um, because these are these are a lot of guys that feel like three years from now they could be out of the league. Yeah, that's and, fair. But I think it's timed perfectly with the rise of what could be a super high end uh, <laughs> between Aho and Teravainen and Svechnikov and Neches uh, and and Niederreiter. Those guys are all. I mean, those guys are all players, man, and. We saw Niederreiter totally rediscover what made him so obnoxious. Um, yep. uh, Glad he's in the East. Now. Yeah, when he was with the Wild, I, I was, I was like, where did he play? I could picture, it. yeah, where he was in Minnesota. Um, that's what made him so obnoxious and so effective. And you know, they've got no big, no real big money deals. You know, the Aho is it, but even at eight and a half million, it's not a big money deal. Yeah, you're feeling good about Aho at that price for sure. Yeah, the only thing you're not feeling great about is five years, but like, so what? It's still five years. You have the guy for five years, and then yeah, he becomes a UFA after that. You know, he would have become a UFA after seven years too. But at 26, you're feeling like if you can sign him to a long term deal, then you're still going to get a lot of good years out of him, even though you'll probably have to pay a little bit more. I don't understand the problem with paying for good players. Like, right. Sure. Like it, it makes it harder to do business elsewhere, but like if a guy, if a guy goes out and he's elite for you and he produces and he drops major numbers, you just pay him. Right. You just, I, you just pay him and then you're done. He's worth it's, the money. It's the $6 million for Tyler Myers and the $6 million for Milan Lucic. You know, we're here. That's the stuff that kills you. Not paying good players. Right. Not not the high-end contracts. $7 million for Kevin Hayes. That stuff drives you crazy. Yeah. It's, you know what you're getting out of the top-end players, so just, just pay for them. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So I think that about wraps up the Metro Division. Uh, we do have a mm-hmm. bit of an announcement on the BSN be a GM draft. Is that what we're calling it? I'm not sure. Uh, sure. That's, that's fine with me. <laughs> okay. I, I do want to clarify though. This is not like a fantasy sports draft. No, like, no. There were some people who were like, Oh, fantasy league. Is this a pay league? And I was like, Oh, it's not that kind of fantasy draft. Right. We'll do that it, stuff later. <laughs> <laughs> closer we'll to, closer the season, to the season. Yeah. We'll get into that. This is not that kind of draft just for the record. Right. This is just about building one of the best teams you can with a full 32 team redraft of, of everybody in the NHL, basically. 
Uh, we scheduled it for not this coming Saturday, but the next Saturday, the 27th at 10 a.m. I think we've had responses from uh, over 50 people, so we'll be yeah, in correspondence it's... soon if we haven't already. Yeah, by the end of tonight, there will be uh, emails and all that sent out with invites to a Discord server that we're setting up. We figured it would be the easiest way to coordinate a Discord server with everybody. Um, if you aren't comfortable using Discord or you've never done it and you don't want to do it, then to be honest, we'll probably just move on and find a replacement, which is totally okay. Um, but it's the easiest way for us to coordinate and communicate with everybody all at once without sending out these long, boring email chain threads. Um, we'll have all the draft parameters, all the rules, the scheduling we'll set up. We're working on getting a bot set up so that we can draft live <coughs> next Saturday. And we can just go through. We'll have like a, a huge master list of players that we can all use and share. And we just figured a Discord server was the most versatile and easiest way to get this going. Um, I will send out invites to more than 32 people just in case we have people that can't make it, people that don't want to use Discord, whatever. We'll have we had uh we had enough to honestly run two of these leagues uh in terms of response from people. So hopefully we'll be able to get everybody together and ready to rock. Uh, and we'll have enough people that are that'll be on hand for backups that'll be watching anyway, that if somebody needs to jump in, they can. So um, thank you guys for all the response. First of all, you guys bombarded me with stuff. It was actually like a slow 24 hours at first. And I was like, Oh, maybe, maybe this isn't as interesting as I thought. <laughs> and then over the next three days, it was just like, they, I just kept getting the notifications and I was like, okay, this is still cool. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All so, right. Yeah. There's that. We will be sending out those discord invites, uh, in invites, invites tonight. Yeah. So hopefully we see, most of you there as far as the guys who guys and girls who did send interest in it that's gonna just about do it for us here before we get out of here gotta pay a few bills are you thinking about selling your house but it's not in tip-top condition how do you ensure you'll maximize your profit if your house is in need of an upgrade house lift can assist in eliminating all the stress of the remodeling process while matching the current trends that buyers most desire and get this there are zero upfront costs from you, the homeowner. That's right, you won't pay for any of the upfront costs for the remodel until your house closes. Houselift will handle everything from the contractors to the design while managing these costs. Here's what you need to do. Head to their website or Facebook page, both at houseliftcolorado.com, and check out the incredible remodels Houselift has done for homeowners here in the metro area. In past jobs, Houselift has put anywhere from 15 to 60K more in their clients' pockets. Call 303-885-7888 today and find out what Houselift can do for you. Oh yeah, if you hire one of Houselift's preferred real realtors, they will sell your home without charging a listing commission. All right, there you go. That's going to do it for us, taking a look around the league, some of the best teams. We will have a bonus episode on Saturday since we missed the one Thursday, so you will hear from us again tomorrow, and we will see you then. The Colorado Golf Association is dedicated to preserving, improving, and serving the game of golf here in Colorado. And right now they're conducting their annual Dream Golf Vacation Raffle. Ed May, Executive Director of the Colorado Golf Association, gave us some more info on what exactly you can win if you enter. We had six grand prizes this year and 
40 plus other prizes. So the, the big ticket items, so to speak, or the grand prizes are a trip to the BMW Championship, including VIP access, thanks to our partnership with BMW. Uh, we have trip to Streamsong, we have a trip to Bandon Dunes, we have a trip to Sand Valley, and then we have what I think might be the coolest, a chance to take an, uh, a 7 Series BMW down to Telluride to play in a CGA-only event. The raffle tickets will go on sale on our website, coloradagolf.org. Tickets are $40, and you know all the proceeds from the raffle are going to support youth development in the state of Colorado. So you're making a great donation to a great cause, but you're also having a chance to uh, really have a fantastic dream golf vacation. For a chance to win, be sure to go to coloradogolfassociation.org.